parenting. Parenting is not for wimps. I remember as a first time parent, man, how to even think about disciplining my child when it was appropriate to punish them? What was the right way? How do you do this? When they disobey me, when I ask them to do something and they don't, how do you punish them in a way that is productive rather than harmful? Well, back then when I was first a parent, they didn't have the TV show The Parent Test that is out now. In fact, it started this last December on ABC. It's a reality series. They have these different families, and each of the families takes turns in the hot seat. And basically, what in your, if you're in the hot seat, you are allowing other parents to critique your child-rearing philosophy. In each episode, they give examples of that parenting skill in a, re, in a real setting. So, for example, when you ask the child to do something and it doesn't, you get to see how those parents punish or discipline their child. If the doorbell rings, how children react to that. Uh, so each of the families, then once they see the actual playing out of these different scenarios, then they begin the process of judging them. What's amazing is at the end, every so often they'll pause in between these different shows and then they'll take a vote. At that point, what form of parenting style is most effective? Well, that's wonderful, but if you don't watch the TV show, if you were raising your children when the TV show doesn't exist, how do you know what form of punishment to use? What is the most effective mean? Well, ultimately, because the majority of us may not have had parenting classes, etc., the default is the way that you were punished, the way that you were raised by your parents. That just kind of becomes the norm that we follow. Unless there's an intentional effort to go against the way that you were parented, it's easy to go back to what you're familiar with. And again, punishment is the inflicting of a penalty in response to an offense. Now, you can call that suffering the consequences of your actions, but it really is a form of punishment. And it happens on so many different levels. As we just mentioned, it happens within families, parenting, it happens at school, it happens in society, and yes, it even happens in spiritual communities. And again, depending upon the setting, the form of punishment, it also can vary. Some people use physical punishment, others use verbal punishment, there's financial punishment. There's a form of punishment that comes in deprivation, removing something. And all, each of these plus others are found in all these different settings. But I think one of the things that stands out when it comes to punishment is we want it to be fair. We want the punishment to align with the offense. Gone are the days of that eye for an eye you know, the idea that if you did me, if you did this to me, well, then I'm doing it right back. We realized as a species that wasn't really productive. Well, today what I'd like to talk with you about is two types of punishment that exist. In fact, the majority of us probably aren't even aware of them, but they're happening all the time.
The first one is what is called direct punishment, and then the second one is third-party punishment. What are those, and what difference does it make? Well, they do have serious ramifications down the line, and as we progress in the podcast, I hopefully you'll catch that. So, first of all, what is direct punishment? Direct punishment is when you are the victim. You, someone has done you wrong, and then you have the opportunity and the means to punish the offender. So if I come up to you and I slap you in the face, you are the one offended. I mean, the, the victim, I've offended you. Now, you can punish me. That's a direct punishment if you slap me back. That would be what we call reciprocal punishment, eye for an eye. But the question then is, why? Why punish? Well, more than likely, if you punish someone who's offended you, you reduce the likelihood that they will do it again. If you come up to me and you slap me in the face and I just stand there and go, okay, there's a real good possibility that you might do it again. But if I react and I inflict some kind of punishment directly back to you, it ups the odds that you won't do that again. It's almost as well saying, you know, don't mess with me. And if you do, you're going to be sorry. You develop kind of a reputation in how other people will treat you. And again, how you punish them can come in a, such a wide, diverse variety of forms. But that is what we call direct punishment. The, the one that I think is quite interesting and really begins to impact us when we live as a society is third-party punishment. Third-party punishment is when you observe someone who's doing something wrong to someone else. For example, a teacher witnesses a student wronging another student. If they choose to punish the, the offending student, well, that would be the teacher is functioning as a third-party punisher. Well, what is the advantage of that? Well, wait, 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 before I go to that, let me back up. So that's one example. Here's another one in third-party punishment. Is if you're in a store and you observe someone uh, shoplifting, if you go and you tell the manager of the store, you are a witness to a crime, then the manager of the store decides to be the third-party punisher, perhaps by detaining that person, but ultimately they end up calling the police. Well, when that happens, the police then become the third-party informer, and you, as the one who saw that crime, you become the witness. So what is the advantage of that? Because you yourself may not have any direct benefit by punishing so again, go back to the example of the teacher. A teacher watches one student offend the other. If the teacher, by punishing, they don't gain anything from it directly. So why do it? What is the value of third-party punishment? Well, number one, it upholds social norms. 
Again, imagine a person steals from someone else and you are observing this taking place and you don't stop them. Well, more than likely, that person will steal again. And if no one ever stops them, then it kind of lets them know that, hey, I can do this and there's no repercussions for it. But if you either step in and inflict the punishment or you call an authority to come in and inflict the punishment, that individual realizes like, whoa, if I do this, I might get caught. I mean, this happens all the time. It's how we as a society are able to live together, how we're able to cooperate with each other. Now, we all probably have been exposed to stories where an individual has been the victim of a crime and people have watched it and they do nothing. I, I've seen this a couple times on YouTube where someone has videotaped a, a person being beaten and people are standing around and no one does a thing. Well, that has serious ramifications. If there is not a third-party punisher and the victim is not able to do direct punishment themselves, that has serious consequences for a society because it basically says that the norm is not that important. But if people will step up, and I think the majority of times that's what happens. The majority of times when someone sees another person being wronged and they have the ability to step in and they do, that lets the rest of society know that we're going to take care of each other. And when you do that, we begin to learn how we can more effectively cooperate with each other. Well, here's the thing that I find that's interesting about punishment is we as a society rely primarily upon the military, police departments, other law enforcement organizations. We rely on them to be that third-party punisher. And we are fully aware that these punishers don't always get it right, that at times they overstep the boundaries. And that has serious consequences because if you can't trust the punisher, then again, the establishing of a norm and it maintaining the norm becomes really complex and difficult. We see this quite often. We recently saw it up in Buffalo where five police officers overstepped and actually ended up committing a crime. And there were other police officers who chose not to be the third-party defenders or punishers. What does that then do when it comes to trusting law enforcement? And unfortunately, we've seen this happen again and again. But what happens if you have the ideal third-party punisher? This, part, this punisher who knows everything, sees everything, and has the power to punish, and when they do punish, they do it in a very just way, 
When you, if you can have that kind of a third-party punisher, all of a sudden the credibility of that punisher impacts the society at large. And they realize that they need to cooperate with one another because this ideal punisher will step in if needed and make things right. Well, that is what we call a supernatural punisher or God. So to see God as this ultimate punisher as this supernatural punisher who knows everything, sees everything, and has the power to inflict the punishment, if you know that, as a society, all of a sudden, everyone seems to be getting along a little bit better, cooperating with each other a little bit better. Why? Because they know the consequences or the punishment that will come if they don't. Well, what happens if that ultimate punisher begins to lose their force? The society says, we don't need this anymore. What happens could be quite interesting. And that's what we're going to look at next week. But until then, I would ask you to consider two things. Number one, when someone has hurt you, and done you wrong. How do you respond to that? Do you let people walk all over you? Do you not have proper boundaries so that when people do overstep those boundaries that you have a means by which you can re reply and respond? And are you willing to be a third party punisher? When you see someone else being harmed, being offended, are you willing to step up, either directly interacting or calling for help so that another third-party punisher can intervene? And when you do those things, what type of punishment are you most comfortable with? If you are the punisher, what form of punishment are you most comfortable with? And again, it doesn't matter if it's a, a friend, a child, another family member, an employer or an employee. We all have different ways that we punish each other. And if we don't stop and reflect on it, then we will do it unintentionally. But if we're willing to pause and say, these are the boundaries, and when people overstep those boundaries, these are the consequences. This is the punishment for that, that I am willing to say, this is what happens. Well, that means you need to know yourself a little bit better. It means you need to be informed of what is the most effective way to let people know that when you're done wrong, you're not going to just roll over. Because when you do that, we as a society at large end up benefiting from that. So, whatever you're doing today or the rest of this week, think about it. The next time someone offends you, just pause and ask yourself, how am I going to respond to this? Will I respond in an effective way that will not only help me, 
but help the person that has offended me as well as the rest of society. Something to think about. And I look forward to seeing you next week because next week we're going to be talking a little bit more about supernatural punishers or moralizing gods and hell. How does hell tie into all of this? Well, I hope whatever you're doing that you're staying safe out there. If you would like to reply, if you have any questions, if there's a topic you would like us to cover, I would encourage you to email me at the the email you'll see at the bottom of your screen. I really enjoy the responses that we get, and I continually look forward to hearing from you. So until the next time we meet, stay safe out there and take care.